Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. We win. I read the back of the book. Y'all don't remember, many of you might not remember Joanne, well, she was Mardula then, but that's Joanne Alacastro, the cafe lady downstairs. She used to sing that song. I read the back of the book and we win. It was a good old southern gospel tune. Yeah. Y'all didn't know Joanne was a singer, did you? Probably. Well, (laughs) yeah, okay, that's right. She was in the choir for a while after I left here, too, yeah. All right. Well, here we are. Thank you for coming out. I'm surprised that there are this many people still still coming on Wednesday nights to hear about the revelation. Listen, I'm not only, I mean, when I say I'm surprised, I'm I'm impressed because this is tough. I know it's tough stuff, you know, and and it's, it's not that necessarily the material frightens folks. It's just that people sometimes get afraid of trying to understand, like being overwhelmed by something that they can't really get our, you know, because, and the whole thing is we have to real try real hard not to try and get our minds around all this real tight because, I mean, we're guessing. <laughs> we're guessing, folks. As, as confident as we can be in the word of God, we're guessing at a lot of this stuff. You know, we're, we're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I can start now. Patty Roddy's here. <laughs> I told her if she wasn't here when we got started, I'd go really slow till she got here. But she's here. We can get going now. So we are in Revelation chapter 20. Um, 20 really, most of the tough stuff is over, okay? Um, from 20, 21, and 22 are, I, I say most of the tough stuff, but these are some, of, these are some misunderstood chapters. Now, we can get, like, the big blocks of this puzzle in these chapters, but it's the little weird little things that we don't think about, I think, excuse me, that to me get, you you whistle back and go, oh, okay, I never thought of it like that, never really considered that some of these things that are going to be going on are going to be going on. But we'll, um, chapter 20 begins, the first three verses, basically, well, the first Um, The first 10 verses, probably, um, are basically a continuation of the Battle of Armageddon from the the, um, previous chapter, chapter 19. It's it's not necessarily a continuation, but this is kind of the the wrap-up of the Battle of Armageddon, okay? At this point, the battle has happened, okay? And this is what happens because it's over, you know, this is what is happening. So chapter 20, I'll start with verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. Okay, who has the key to the bottomless pit? Jesus has the key to the bottomless pit. So when John says he saw an angel, he is saying here that he saw Christ coming with the key to the bottomless pit. Okay, this is the one who has the key to the bottomless pit. Um, He says he seized the dragon that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. Now, remember here, where is Satan at this time? Remember chapter 12, there was a fight, a big war in heaven, and it says that Satan was cast out of heaven. Where did he go? 
He went to the earth. So he's here for the, for the battle of Armageddon. He is here on earth physically, okay? Satan is here on earth for the battle of Armageddon. So when it says here that he is, has this key to the bottomless pit and he's opening the bottomless pit, he's not opening the bottomless pit to get the devil out, okay, at this point. He's opening the bottomless pit because he's fixing to put the devil out in there, okay? That's, that can get confusing if you're not paying attention to what's going on. You're like, wait a minute, wait, oh, wait, I thought he was, Jim told us he was out there, out of there in chapter 12. Well, he is, he's, a, he's on earth, and he's saying he comes to the bottomless pit. And you know that because he says what he does here. He says, the angel threw him into the bottomless pit, okay? So it wasn't that he had to open the bottomless pit and get him out. He was there for the battle of Armageddon. Jesus is coming down. It's, it's over, okay? This is over, So Jesus is coming, throwing him in the bottomless pit. He's binding him and throwing him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. We'll talk about that as we move on through here. So at this point, we're getting ready for the thousand year or the millennial reign that we're going to see happen here on earth is where this millennial reign takes place. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years." So we, we talk about, we'll, we say sometimes that we're going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. The fact of the matter is not that we will reign with him for a thousand years. These are the martyrs of the, of the tribulation that we're talking about here who were beheaded for Christ. That's who he's talking about here. This is those ones who came out of great tribulation, okay? And ma- the majority, the vast majority of them, we are, it indicates here, are going to be beheaded. Because basically, if you won't take his mark, you won't fight for him, you won't do what he wants you to do, he's going to behead you. He doesn't have any use for you. So he will behead you, and then you're going and waiting for you know, the culmination and, and all of that stuff, all of these things to happen. So at this point, he says, I see these people on thrones. Nowhere, folks, are we given a throne. Sorry. We're not going to sit on thrones. Um, unless you want to hang around after the rapture, go through the tribulation and get beheaded, then you'll get a throne. Okay, so, but really, that you know, and we think, we talk about how we're going to rule and reign with Christ. There is an element of truth in that, but we don't have, we don't get the thrones, okay? The ones that get the thrones are the ones who go through that great tribulation and make that sacrifice, Okay? There is some indication or some acceptance that it could be anyone who is martyred for Christ, okay? Um, throughout, even throughout history, some say, okay? But we're still kind of looking at this through the lens of futuristic stuff here. So that's why um, it, we tend to lean toward most scholars, we scholars, most of we scholars, I even use the proper English there. Most of we, instead of most of us scholars, tend to look at it as these are probably the ones who are beheaded during the Great Tribulation. These are the ones who came out of Great Tribulations that the Gaithers sing about. Yeah, that's those ones. 
This, okay, here we go. They came to life again. This is the first resurrection, he says here. The rest of the dead will not come back to life until the thousand years has ended. Okay, the first resurrection. Remember, we talked about the first resurrection. Um, This will be physical. Okay, yeah, we're to the... Okay, are we caught up? Okay, we have, I see where we are there. The first resurrection, remember, we've talked about this before. The first resurrection, remember, we talked a while back about the four companies of the redeemed, the Old Testament saints, the New Testament church, um, the man-child, the 144,000 non-Jehovah Witness man-childs. Of course, some of them might be, I don't know, but not because they're Jehovah Witness. And the, now I've lost myself. Oh, the tribulation saints, okay? And in, in, in also included in that first resurrection are the two witnesses. We don't count them as a company because, you know, well, two is company, right? So they should be a company, right? Okay. One company and four crowds it was. But um, we, count, we consider them as just a duo. Um, and so there's four companies in the duo. This is what we consider whenever you hear, see the Bible talk about the first resurrection. This is who they're talking about are those companies and that duo. This is the company of the redeemed. Now, they are the, we're the ones that will be, he's talking about, we're, we're in good shape here at this point. And he says, those other ones, they're not even going to, now remember, we've already been, we've been resurrected. We have our new bodies. You know, we're in that glorious perfect body, even, you'll look better than this even. So we're in that glorious body. And so at this point, here's what's sad. For all of their time that they've been dead, plus the next thousand years, they're all stuck, okay? And they're not even in the lake of fire yet. They're stuck in torments is what it's called. This is whenever you see the Bible refer to places that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, the original texts lead us to, it's a place called Torments. We talked about it a little bit last week. But that's where they are, and they're going to be there until the second resurrection, which comes in a little bit here, in a few verses here, but it's a thousand years later, okay? So there, this torments lasts a long time before they even go to the lake of fire forever. So that's where they are waiting, they're set, waiting the second resurrection, Okay, it doesn't mean that they've had two resurrections. It's just that they're not part of the first resurrection, which is uh, the which is the good resurrection. They're part of the second resurrection. <clears throat> so let's see, where are we? Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and will reign with Him a thousand years. Now, see, here's where we will reign with him, but our job is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be here. We're the priests of God and Christ, okay? Understand, this millennial reign for a thousand years, sorry to tell you, it's not in heaven. You know, we think to be, oh, I can't wait till I get to heaven. Well, you've got a, you've got a long wait because you're in, or a short wait, because the only time we're in heaven is while we wait for the battle of Armageddon. That's when we're going to heaven. When we're dead and we're waiting for Armageddon, we're in heaven, okay? Then we come back. We're, we're kind of stuck here for a thousand years. And our job will be here, it tells us, to be the priests of God and of Christ. So that thousand years has taken place right here on this, well, not this wood, 
but right on the ground, okay? We're still here on earth when this is going on, okay? We are in our spiritual, our spiritual uh, bodies. We've, you know, we don't have our physical bodies anymore. We have our spiritual glorified bodies that we're going to be here reigning on earth. Now, if we are reigning or we are the, we are the, the priests of God, then what that indicates to us, number one, that there are people to reign over. I mean, what good does it do you to be a king with no kingdom, right? I mean, you have to have people. There will still be humans on earth in their physical bodies during this thousand years, okay? During that thousand years, there will still be humans. They're going to be coming to us to offer sacrifices for them. We are going to be their priests, okay? Now, I don't know what that'll exactly look like, but it says we're going to be their priests. And on the thrones, those martyrs will be judging them. Will be, they will go to those thrones. They will go to those martyred, newly resurrected body people. And they will say to them, um, you know what? He built his garage six inches from my property line. And I think he's supposed to be 12 inches from my property line. And then that judge is going to have the mind of Christ. He's going to have, you know what I mean? We're reigning with Christ. We're reigning. They're reigning with Christ. They're going to have basically perfect wisdom to say, oh, let's split the difference and give them the six inches. Or they're going to say, no, sir, you need to move your garage over, you know, you know, or we'll split your garage in half. And then you decide, you know, like, you know, when they fought over the baby, you know, we'll just split it in half. You know, so but that is what's going to be. There are going to be people on earth who will need priests. They will need judges to take care of their situations. Now, during that thousand years, the nice thing is Satan is not running around the earth influencing people to be nasty, okay? Because he's, he's bound in the bottomless pit at this point, him and his cronies, so there will be very little, I, I hate to use the word sin, but there should be very little nastiness at this point because he's not there to try. Now, they might be discussing whether or not to, where to build the garage, but they're not going to kill each other over it, okay? Because they know we got to take this to the, to the judges and ask them to, take, to, to decide this. And then see, it would be Satan who would be influencing them to, make, to, to fight over it or to kill one another over it. I mean, not to think that anyone on earth would kill each other nowadays over a garage or something. But I'm telling you, we kill each other over stupider things. Stupider. Is that a word? I don't think that's a word. But more, more stupid things. But we... This is going to be a different sort of time. It's going to be here on earth, but there will be humans. The world will be populated again. After the flood, the world was repopulated. After, you know, after it's always, God will always, he has no intention, and you're going you're gonna to see what I'm going in a minute. He has no intention of annihilating this earth and all of the physical beings on it. He has no intention of that. Yet we have this, under, this misconception that that's what it's going to be. Like, they'll only be Christians then, right? No. Well, why would they need a priest? 
Why, if they're, if they're all, you know, if they're, if they're all, they're not part, they missed that first resurrection, okay? So they've got a thousand years if they have to, to go through this. They will be birthing babies. They will be having families. These things will continue throughout that thousand year reign, throughout that thousand year period. So there still will be a populating of this earth happening at that point. Okay. So then we're going to move on to, okay, okay. So then at the end, of, then we go to uh, verse seven, at the end of that thousand years. See, we moved, look, look at all the scriptures we have about that thousand year reign. What is it? Six verses. And yet we spend half our lives trying to figure it all out. And you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? It's six verses. It's about now, there is other supporting scripture in the Bible for that, but basically there are six scriptures that, put it, that explain that. When the thousand years, verse 7, comes to an end, Satan will be let out of prison. Remember up there in, say, in verse 3, it said he will have to be released at the end of that thousand years for a little while, okay, just for a little time. Satan will be let out of prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. That's Russia, right? Not necessarily. Okay, we'll talk about that. In every corner of the earth, he'll gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numerous as the sand along the seashore. So listen, he's going to be out for just a little bit, and he's going to gather a huge army. After a thousand years of this millennial reign of not having all this horrible, nasty sin and, you know, killing and all that stuff going on, there's still going to be a multitude, too, num- too big to number, of dumb people who will fall, for his inf- fall under his influences again. Okay, so that, that is, so he will gather this mighty army. Verse 9, I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city, Jerusalem. Okay, this is where, once again, this, these, this army... It's now, now this is not the Antichrist anymore, okay? Remember where he is? He's, in, yeah, he's over there in the lake of fire already. Remember, he, he, we threw him in there at the, end of the, at the end of the battle. Okay, he's in the lake of fire already. So this is not the Antichrist. This is basically Satan himself goes out and gathers this huge army, okay? And he, he brings them again against Jerusalem. But fire from heaven comes down on the attacking armies and consumes them. Okay, so there's like no fight here. There's no, this is not, this is not the battle of Armageddon, okay? This is what happens. They don't even call it a battle because basically he gets his army together, they come to Jerusalem, and God destroys them with fire, okay? Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. So he will be, now now he's not put back in the bottomless pit. Now he's thrown with the rest of his bunch into the lake of fire, okay? With me? Everybody with me so far? So see, there's there's a a step-by-step process here that God's going through. Um, Where am I? I don't even know. Let me see. Satan will be released for a little while. Fire, Satan's boundary in a lake of fire forever. Satan's new home is a lake of fire rather than the bottomless pit or what was also called the abyss. Bottomless pit and abyss are the same thing, okay? 
Okay, verse 11 to 15, the great white throne judgment. Where am I? Okay. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth, now I want you to, uh, if you're looking at this or you can underline it or mark it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found nowhere to hide. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that in, in just a minute. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. The dead at this point is not us. It's nobody from that first resurrection, okay? This is the dead that were not involved in that first resurrection. And the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they'd done. As recorded in the books, the sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, so even... Death and the grave are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Um, I want to go to the, the picture of the three hells, if you could take me there. I think I, yep, there it is. Remember, we, we showed, I showed you this, I think, last week. We looked at this. Remember, um... Ah, the old, this is our like our Old Testament sort of lesson here on what we, we call hell, but basically it was, it was broken up for the Old Testament. The good Old Testament people who died went to paradise or Abraham's bosom. There was a huge gulf affixed between them, and the bad ones went to county jail or what torments. Now this, torments, is what we often call hell. He, didn't, he died and he didn't know Jesus. He went to hell. He went to torments, okay? He went to the place called torments. Um, then there was the place called Tartarus or the abyss, okay, is Tartarus. That's where there, how many humans are in, in the abyss, in the bottomless pit? None, okay, because it's not for human living in consumption, I was going to say, but it's for spiritual beings, okay? And so what happens, this, here, you got two ways of going. If you're in this one, then we're talking about, you know, the, from the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints who were good folks, they went to paradise, and when Jesus went down, he went to, or when he died on the cross, he went to paradise, and he took all them to new paradise, or what we would call heaven, okay? This is the place where God and Jesus and all the good people are, okay? Now, when we die... We go to, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, so you're to be present in heaven. So now when we die, remember Old Testament and you were a good person and you died, you still hadn't, Christ hadn't taken these folks out of Sheol or that Abraham's bosom, okay? Here at the great white throne judgment, we find torments, the people who are, you know, the dead, the death and hell, or dead, death and the grave, give up all their people, okay, these people who are in torment, and they go to the great white throne judgment. We'll also find that the abyss is also cleared out. We'll see it as, you, as we look through here. The abyss is going to be cleared out. So that's all the little demons and all their little cohorts. They're all going to the white throne judgment, and from there they will go to the lake of fire. So basically what's going to happen at this point, all these are empty, okay? All those are empty. And all the bunch, remember, that was up here in heaven? Remember, where are we now? Basically, we're here. We're back here on earth. 
doing our priestly duties, okay, and sitting on thrones and that kind of stuff, ruling and reigning here on earth. We're awaiting this next part we're going to talk about. They're all at the great white throne judgment, at the great white throne. They're going to end up being cast from there to the lake of fire. They go to this judgment, and there's like, there's like not much judging to do, okay? It's just your name's not in the book, so therefore you're going to the lake of fire. And that's so then all the other places there that torments and Tartarus and we were what we would call the abyss and the bottomless pit and those places, they're all cleared out at the great white throne judgment. It's interesting that with the great, great, the great white, the great, great, great white throne judgment is the only time that we see God's throne described. Nowhere else in scripture does his, is his throne described. So it's just kind of interesting that finally John's seeing, because listen, when, when John gets called up to heaven, remember, and he's looking, he says, I saw a throne, and then there was the one sitting on the throne, because basically your attention at that point is the fact that it's the one sitting on the throne, okay, that's, that took John's attention at that point. This is, a, this is a, a point of judgment, therefore, the throne, the fact that he's the judge, is the, is the thing that's important at this point. So suddenly John says, it's a great throne, it's a white throne. Okay, so it's a, that's just interesting. It's the only place where it's mentioned and described. God's throne is actually described. All right, let's see. All the wicked, these souls. Okay, so, and they were sent to the lake of fire. Oh, my goodness, I am like, oh, Gog and Magog, Gog and Magog. In the Old Testament, when we read about Gog and Magog, they were physical places on earth, okay, when they were destroyed in the Old Testament. Um, there's a place, it's the Gog and Magog. They were, it's a physical place. Gog and Magog, in this, in this reference that we just talked about, is how the armies of, of, of the devil are described. And basically, it just means Gentiles. It's the army of the Gentiles. And so at this point, it's you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And if you're a Jew, you're in Jerusalem. Okay, remember, because they're all home in Jerusalem. And now, and so this is the Gentile army that's coming around them, and it's described. And basically, Gog and Magog at this point are not a physical place. So people will say, oh, here comes Russia, because part of Gog and Magog is a Russian territory. And here comes Russia. It's not really indicating that it's the army of Russia, because this army, it says, comes from all over the world that, 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 the Satan, that Satan puts together at this point. So it just means it's basically the Gentiles. It's a Gentile army, okay? And so that's what the Gog and Magog refers to there. Um, Ezekiel's Gog and Magog from Ezekiel 38 and 39, these were premillennial Gog and Magog is what we call it, okay? This was where Gog and Magog were before the millennial reign. So we're talking about post-millennial here. Gog and Magog just refers to these people. Um, mm-hmm, fire, Satan, great right throne, wicked. Okay, yeah, that second resurrection is all the wicked from Adam to the end of the millennium. So that's, that's going to be a lot of folks. Or maybe not. We were talking downstairs before service. Maybe, you know, I think when we get up there, we're going to find out we're surprised by a whole lot of people who are there and a whole lot of people who aren't there. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? So, we, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe it's not as many people as we would think it is. Um, second death. And this lake of fire is for eternity, okay? There's no end 
to this lake of fire. Nowhere does this end. These folks are going nowhere else. They're these, this, none of it is happening, period. They're not getting out, nowhere, ever. That's eternity, okay? Now, uh, let's go to verse, or go to, well, actually, I want to take us to 2 Peter chapter 3, first, verse um, 10 and 11. It says this, and this is because it's going to take us back to, remember I told you to pay attention to that one scripture from chapter 20, just one. All I want you to look at. No, that one chapter 20, where was it? Oh, verse 11. Um, but we're going to go to Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 10, 11. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Whenever you see the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is the millennium. That's the thousand years. Okay, we get these terms thrown around like we say that Sunday is the day of the Lord. No, Sunday is the Lord's day. It's a different thing and different terminology, okay? The day of the Lord, when you see that in, in the Bible, not necessarily when you see it in somebody's Bible study notes because they probably wrote it down wrong, but when in the, day, in the day of the Lord in the Bible is referring to the thousand-year reign, okay? That's the day of the Lord. That will come unexpectedly. You know, it's gonna, it says it's going to come like a thief in the night. Then the heavens, then after that happens, after that thousand-year reign, then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Um, oh, it says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. This is what Peter wrote in his, uh, his second letter. I want to take you back then to verse 11. It said, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found nowhere to hide. This is called renovation by fire. There is a misconception that the earth will be destroyed by fire. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the earth will be destroyed. God has no intention of destroying the earth. None. He has no intention of destroying the earth. It will be renovated and basically, that's what the terminology, when we read Peter's language here, that terminology refers to as if, when you know, when you burn a piece of wood, is it annihilated for never, there's nothing left of it? No, you have ash, right? You burn anything, it doesn't disappear. Its composition changes, it's what you're able to do with it changes, all these things but there is, it, there is nothing here to, to, that tells us that the earth will be destroyed. It says there in verse 11 of chapter 20 that death and the grave and, and the earth will try to hide, but they won't be able to hide. Okay, basically, so it doesn't say that they will be destroyed. Some versions will say destroyed. But if you will look at the terminology and look at the, uh, the, the translations um, of where these words come from, you'll find that it doesn't mean that they're destroyed and nothing's left of them. It's not the same thing that's used about the city of Babylon. It's not the same destruction. This is a renovation and should be thought of as the earth will be renovated. It will not be the same. It will not be the same, but it will be livable. It will be livable for human living. Not that I want to be a human living in it. It will be livable. We'll talk about that in just a second. 
So now we're moving on to chapter 21, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Here's where it says, The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. That's what the New Living Translation says. That is not saying that it's gone forever. It's the old, the, basically what it's saying is that the heaven that we knew and the earth that we knew is not the same, okay? It's not the same earth. Not, we, it's a new heaven and a new earth, okay? And he says, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people or his men is actually what the translation is or women too. But the the term, you know, when it says God made man in his image, that's the terminology that's used here. It's he's among his men, God's people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's what's gone forever. That's what's gone, okay? No more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. So what John says is he looks up and he sees this city that looks like a bride, okay, coming from heaven, and it's coming down to this new heaven and new earth that we're on, this this renovated earth. So here we go again. Where are we going to be? We're here, you know, and we always think of us up there playing them harps in heaven, you know. That's not how it's going to be. We're going to be here, okay? So it's coming down. Um, What's interesting is you'll see it says, I heard a loud shout in verse 3 from, and this version says the throne. So most versions say, I heard a a shout from heaven, okay? And then when you get to verse 5, it says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. When you got saved, did he make you new? Did he annihilate you? No, he didn't annihilate you. You didn't disappear, and then all of a sudden you were this other thing, you know what I mean, this other creature. He, he made you new, and we are basically a little living testimony of what he's going to do with the rest of his creation, okay? He is just going to make it new. And this one, see that other voice from heaven was like, look, here comes God. He's coming down here to be with his people, okay? And that that voice is basically, we hear there's two voices from heaven. Who are they? One is Jesus. And then it says, the one sitting on the throne said, look, I made everything new. Okay, this there are there are two voices that are you know two peep two two people. I hate to say there are two voices that we're hearing here. One is Christ saying, "It's happening. We're winning. He's coming to live with his people." Okay, and so and he is saying, "I made all three new three these things new." And then look here. This is where it's interesting. And then he said to me, "Oh." Nowhere else has the one on that throne spoken to John. (laughs) What? You know, then he starts hearing this. So he says, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. 
I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. He's talking future tense. Now, remember, if he's talking future from this throne in the new Jerusalem coming down, he's saying, I will be, if they are thirsty, I'll give them drink. If they are, you know, he's saying, I will be theirs. There are going to be people on this earth that are going to need God. And we're going to get, remember, it said the sea's gone, okay? You'll find out why. There's no seas and rivers. We don't need seas and rivers anymore because he's made everything new, which basically he's made everything like it was in the beginning. He's made everything perfect. And, you know, we didn't need seas and rivers and all that stuff. When we were in the garden, we didn't need all that. We didn't even have rain in the garden. We didn't have rain till Noah was, what, 80 years old when he finally got in the, you know what I mean? We didn't have rain on the earth because it just wasn't a necessary thing. Things grew, right? Even, even after that initial curse, the earth still produced things. It took work, but they still produced. Okay. Ah. <sighs> Though, but cowards, unbelievers, corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all the liars, their fate is in the, fi- the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the angels who held the seven bowls contained the seven last plagues came to me and said, come with me and I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem descending from heaven. I'm not going to bore you with this exciting description, but I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about jewels. But this thing is going to be incredible, okay? Which, which is amazing because in, in John's day, like a bride, she didn't have like lots of jewels and everything. You know, they didn't have, it wasn't like today where, you know, the average wedding is $20,000. That's not how things were back then. But he says, this is a bride like he's never seen, okay? And this bride is coming down from heaven. Remember, this is now we're the bride of Christ, okay? And we're in this new Jerusalem coming down. Now, we've been going sort of back and forth, you know, but, and, but the whole time we have this earth that we're offering sacrifices for people and, and doing all these things for this thousand years. And then there's this judgment that we go to or we go to the great white throne judgment, but we get good judged. Okay, we're, we're fine. Okay, so there's this judgment that takes place. But we are a part of the bride of Christ now. People talk about that we are the bride of Christ. We are not the bride of Christ until after that first resurrection is complete. Then we're the bride of Christ. That's when all of those people, all of those companies are all together. We're just the body of Christ on earth today, and therefore we will be part of that bride of Christ that's coming down. It's described, and it's described so many, many, many things about her described, but basically what he's saying is it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, okay? And it's coming down, it says, from the heavens is basically the translation. It's coming down from the heavens. Um, the Finistake believed that this is a planet that's already out there. There are theologians who believe that it is the North Star. Um, and, you know, their, their understanding is that 
from as far back as we can trace history at all, the North Star has been that guiding point for people traveling on the earth. It's, there's always been that one North Star that, that they can count on. And it's, you know, why is there one star that's always in the same place? And blah, anyway, I don't understand astrology, and, and I think that'd be a great study to get into. But um, yeah, he also believes it's very possible that the New Jerusalem is the North Star, okay? And of course, look, if we get our telescopes out and can see the North Star, which we can't because it's too far away, um, even our big telescopes are not going to be able to see that North Star. Um, you know, we're, we're not, I don't think God would give us a peek anyway of what it's really like. You know what I mean? You shine enough light, you can't see anything. They turn the, I had down math first, I always turned the lights down because I couldn't see anything when I was up here. I, there could have been thousands of you out there. Terry, I went home, Terry said, how many were there tonight? I said, I think 300, 400, something like that. They left quick when the lights come on, but I couldn't see any of them. You know, but, you know, so, I, you know, there's going to be enough light here that astrologers, astronomers, I'm sorry, not astrologers, astronomers are not going to be able to see anything, you know, to get any details on this anyway. But anyway, so there are, you know, so there are all kinds of theories on, you know, where this is, but obviously it's up there somewhere, and it's somewhere that today we can't see it really because we can't you know, get a, get, or we'd be, I don't know, then we'd solve a lot of problems in the church, probably, if we had that good of a, um, of a picture of things. Um, so he describes that city. Basically, it's huge, folks. It's 1,500, some say 1,400 miles across, deep, and high. So it's a big cube, basically, is how it's described. It's a big cube, and it's 1,400 miles, and I think it's something like, they said that, like, if if our spiritual bodies take up the room that our physical bodies take up, there could be like 300 billion of us in there, you know. So we're talking about a big place. It doesn't sound that huge, you know what I mean? But it's pretty big, okay? Um, because when we think, we think two-dimensional when we're here on earth. So we're thinking, that's like from here to Oklahoma and from, you know, Mexico to, on to, to the Canadian border, you know, we're talking about that. But then you got to realize you're talking about 1,500 miles going up in that square too. So it's huge. Okay, I believe that our body, my body is not going to be this big. <laughs> okay, ladies, am I right? You know, it's going to be little. It's going to be, you're going to be one of those people who's like, I have so much trouble shopping. I just can't find anything small enough. You just, you can't imagine what it's like. You know, that's what I'm going to be like. I can't get a white robe to fit me. They're all too big. But um, so I just believe that our, you know, I believe that there'll be plenty of room for as many as want to come. Okay. And so it's that big. It's huge. It says that there's no temple in it because who needs a temple when you've got God and Jesus right there? So they're in this. Okay, remember, when we're on earth for the thousand years, Christ is in here with us. The Father isn't here with us. The Holy Spirit still is. Sorry, those of you who think he's not, but he is. He's still here, okay? The Holy never does the Bible tell us that the Holy Spirit leaves. It says the hinderer leaves. That's us. We're the hinderer, folks. The church is the hinderer. We're the ones that hinder uh, all this starting, basically. So anyway... So there's, they're in heaven. They're still getting, making preparations. Stuff's still being built. They're still, you know, putting, they're, you know, moving those gate-sized pearls. You know, they say the pearly gates, and we think of like a gate surrounded by all these pearls. It says one pearl, 
at each gate, you know, all the way around this thing. We're talking big stuff, okay? They're busy, okay, building the new Jerusalem. Um, I don't even know where I am. Oh, okay, and this is where it says, and this is what's interesting. Um, this is, I don't know where my notes are. Um, the bride of Christ. Um, there's no sun, no moon, of course, because there's no night. It's all lit up by God the Father and Christ. They're the light. Um, nothing nor anyone who practices any evil will be allowed to enter that city, okay? Therefore, we must anticipate, be able to think, there will be people on earth while the new Jerusalem is sitting there, and it's going to come down right over where the old one is. So it's going to come down. It's going to be there on the earth, and people, if they're good people who don't practice these things, they will come and go from the city. They will be, things will still be happening. People will still be populating the earth. Listen, when the curse of childbirth is gone, how many babies you think there's going to be born? Okay, that's the pain of childbirth is a curse, and it says it's gone. There's no pain, there's no crying, there's no, you know, all these things are gone at this point, not until that new Jerusalem comes down. So these things, this new earth will be like the initial earth. It'll be like it was supposed to be. Remember we started talking about from perfection to just about as far imperfect as you could get, and then back to perfection again. That's what's happening here. Okay, we're going back. So there will still be populating of the earth going on. And listen, if you, Satan's not there, okay? He's in the lake of fire. If you are practicing idolatry and sorcery, then that's all on you. There's no blaming, you know, the devil made me do it. No, he's in the lake of fire. He didn't make you do it. If these people refuse, which I, I can't imagine them doing, if they refuse those things, listen, basically at this point, they're dead. They're dead. They're, they're, they end up, he says, in the lake of fire. So there's not like, it's not even like you have a physical death and we have a funeral and we bury your body. Folks, you, if we sin, if they sin on the earth, after, if during this new earth is going on, they're going to go to the lake of fire. I don't think there's going to be many there. Listen, it's proven just the death penalty in the horrible world that we live in, the death penalty being, is a deterrent to murder. I mean, that's been proven, folks. I'm not a big death penalty person. I'm not a, you know, I used to be till I had to sit on a jury and decide if somebody lived or died. And then I was like, oh, that's a different situation when that is in your hands, you know what I mean, when those lives are in your hands and you're the one making those decisions. But, I, you know, this is basically going to be, ba oh, you're sinned, lake of fire. It's over. And there's no spiritual bot. You're not, we're not waiting for your, we're not sending your spirit to torments until something happens. It's, all that's over. You are going to the lake of fire bodily, physically, the way you are. You're gone. I think that it will greatly deter folks from becoming that, okay? And so that is, that's what we have to understand, that he is never getting rid of this creation. Nowhere, even the scriptures that you think, if you read that scripture, 
that he is going to annihilate this earth, you need to do some more study and put it in, in with the rest of the word and see if your interpretation of that makes any sense when you put it with everything else. We have to stop picking and choosing these little things, you know, um, and, and trying to make those the doctrine. Oh, come on, Jim. That's, very, that's 21. There's no temple, nothing evil. Okay, blah, blah, blah. We're moving on to, verse, to chapter 22. <clears throat> and verses 1 to 6 continues to describe what life is going to be like in this new Jerusalem. Now, really, remember, we're talking about the new Jerusalem, the city there. Okay, we're not necessarily talking about all of the new heaven and new earth. Here he's really just describing that city. He says, <clears throat> Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop of fruit each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So here we get a picture in this new Jerusalem. Here's why we don't need seas and rivers, okay? Remember, it says the sea was gone. All these things are gone. We don't need them because we have the river of life that flows from the throne in the new Jerusalem. And it flows. And if you are thirsty, remember, if you're thirsty, come to me. If the people on earth are thirsty, come to the city of New Jerusalem. We have the water of life. We have food. We have crop, a crop, a fresh crop every month from the tree of life, okay? These are the things we're going to eat in heaven, and we're going to drink in heaven, and we're not going to gain weight in heaven, okay? So these things are going to continue um, here on earth. It says, in, and the, the leaves will be used to heal the nations. So doesn't that kind of tell you there's going to be some things that are going to need fixing, right? Something's going to need fixed. Otherwise, why are the trees used to heal the nations? Something, you know, so there will be things that are going to need fixed. There will be nations that will need healed. There will be people that will need healed, okay? Um, and so these are the things that are at the end. But still, at the same time, we remember there are no more curses, okay? So there's, there's no more curses. But this healing is not necessarily a physical healing, okay? We would, it would make more sense, um, that this is some sort of spiritual healing. Were there a people? Listen, if you are, are find yourself at this time, uh, you know, and you're walking around the earth, and all of a sudden your mom and dad disappear, I would suspect that they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing because now they're in the lake of fire, okay? So now I might say, <clears throat> um, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want to do what they're doing. And so, therefore, I might need fixed. I might need healed from something that I was taught by one of these people. You, see, I just try to, I make, I try to make it make sense in my head. It's got, it's, something has to need fixed. I can't imagine what needs fixed when there's no curses. But if a curse doesn't mean I just decided to be now. How many, you know, there are people who are guilty of crimes because they have mental defect. But there are people in this world who are guilty of crimes who are just bad nuts. No, I don't mean, I'm not talking about um, mental defect. I wasn't being nasty there. They're bad. There's just <laughs> something. They've made the decision to be bad. They've made that decision to rebel, okay? 
And so there will be those people. And if I'm raised by two of those people, I might start to say, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm going over there and get some of them, them leaves of healing and see what needs to be fixed, okay? Then you're gonna go to those judges or go to one of us priests and say, oh, help me, what do I need to do? Here, eat this leaf. You know, and it changes us, okay? There's perfect healing that will take place. Um, it says... Uh, no longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. They'll see his face. His name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no, no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you've heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. So... That is pretty much the end of this revelation, okay, that John was given, okay? So it took him from starting with tell the churches, basically us, how they need to behave. Then we have the rapture. Then we have the seven years and the things that take place during that. Then we have the battle of Armageddon. Then we have the thousand-year reign. Then we have the Satan being released again. They're burnt up by fire. He's sent to the lake of fire. Then we have the great throne judgment and all of the wicked are judged and they're sent to the lake of fire. Then we have this, the earth is renovated by fire. It is made new. He says, I made all things new. And then the new Jerusalem comes down and sits basically on this earth. Okay, it's on, it sits on this earth. Um, and, the, well, not this one, the renovated one, okay, on the nice earth, the good one. Okay, it'll sit there. So that's, that's basically Revelation in a nutshell. And I spent six weeks talking about it, right? You know, how, you know but I hope that it has shed some light. Now, Jesus' part, or the, 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 the parting words here are very inspirational and important, okay? And these are the things we need to take this part seriously. I've got just about enough time to read this. Starting in verse seven. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. So he's coming soon. Worship only God. Uh, Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. And yet how many preachers tell their congregations, don't don't go there. Don't, Don't try to figure that all out. That's just too much for us to understand. And he's, hello, you know, the last words in the book say, do not seal this up, that we're supposed to be reading it. Uh, Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let those, the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, and here's what's, what's great is John, when this... When John's hearing these words to write down, you know, these instructions, don't you know he's going, oh, yeah, the wheat and the tares. I remember we were walking along, and we wanted to tear down. We wanted to, to weed the field. He told us, no, nah, let the tares grow up. They'll get sorted. You know, isn't it great? Like, he had, like, this, this perspective of, like, oh, yeah, we just got to let it 
Let it be. Okay. Look, I'm coming soon, he says again, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who, long, who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. <clears throat> the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink, who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove the person's share of the tree of life and the holy city that are described in this book. Listen, I don't, you know, people take this scripture too and go a little crazy with it. You know, I've been giving you for six weeks my sort of interpretation of this thing. If I'm wrong, I don't think God is going to, to slap me dead and throw me in the lake of fire, okay? Because it's really your responsibility. Sorry. It's your responsibility to look into these things and to understand these things, you know. And, and so I am doing my best to help you, but that doesn't mean that I am adding to or taking anything away from this, okay? And so, if, you know, we, we get so kind of wrapped up on this. Let me tell you something. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints added something to it. When you start trying to produce things, doctrines that aren't in there, okay? Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, very smart men sat down and decided they canonized this Bible. Understand that there are more books that were written, okay? Remember, and this is called the canonization process that was gone through. I don't want to bore you with it, but they were men and they were prayed up and inspired by the Holy Ghost to pick which books are in it, okay? Um, for there to be, an, there's no need for a new book to be written, okay? There's no need for that stuff. I know Christians who spend hundreds of dollars, maybe even more, reading books that haven't read the Bible in months, probably. And I'm sorry. No, I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying, be careful what we read and that we try to add to what's here, okay? Just don't let anything add to what we have, Okay, and I think I think we're okay. Anyway, shut up, Jim. All right, that's I'm gonna. You know, that's my new thing for me. Just shut up, Jim. So, uh, he who is faithful, he who is he who who he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, "Yes, I'm coming soon." Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace, of Lord Jesus, be with God's holy people. Whew. I'm tired, y'all. You know, seriously, we, we just, in all, in all seriousness yet, you know, understanding that I hope that you 
hear me when I say I don't think I have all this figured out, okay? But what I've done is presented you with, and, and there's much more to this. I, see, I didn't go through giving you all the scriptures that back everything up. Again, we would be here until Jesus called the church. You know, we would be here till that time if I were to try and give you, um, you know, Finnis Dake spent 10, 000, over 10,000 hours putting together his book on the Revelation. You know, I, I don't got that kind of time. I don't know where he had it. You know, he didn't sleep much. But anyway, but we have to, you know, I, I've, I've presented you with a lot of stuff that you should, if you have questions, you should go. Listen, in the side notes of your Bible, it'll tell you like, oh, refer to Isaiah chapter, or refer to Daniel chapter. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the revelation. Thank you for giving us very intelligent men, uh, not me, but very intelligent men who could help us to understand the revelation. And I thank you that we, we in ourselves are created in such a way that we can understand most of this revelation. We can see it. We can, we can, uh, we can get into it and figure it out ourselves, the things that we don't understand. But Father, I pray that anyone who is fearful of the things that would hap- that would are going to happen, that they would uh, have been set uh, free from that fear, as we understand it, that we have a, an escape from the the horrible things that are going to happen uh, into this earth in the future. And Father, I just pray for all of us who have friends and loved ones, Lord, that that don't know you, that aren't ready for the rapture, that they would come to know Jesus, and that as many as can possibly be saved, will get saved uh, before that day happens. Father, go with us tonight. Keep everybody safe and bring us back here, fired up and ready to go Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen.